Radio's Peace in a Pod. My name is Indigo Trickhauger, and I'm a communicator at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. This week, Mali experienced a coup led by Colonel Asimi Goita. And if you're getting deja vu, that's because it's the country's second coup by the same officer in less than a year. Joining the podcast today to explain what happened is doctoral researcher Maria Sanlis. Welcome back to the podcast, Maria. Uh, we talked last summer about your fieldwork in Mali, and now there have been some major developments there, even in just the past few days. Um, so let's just start off with a simple yet complicated question. What is happening in Mali this week? Yeah, I think to answer that, I have to go a little bit back in time as well. So uh, in August last year, in 2020, there was um, a military coup in Mali. It was quite a peaceful coup um, and with pressure from the international community, uh, the African Union and the West African bloc ECOWAS, um, the military that conducted the coup, they accepted um, a transitional government with a civilian rule um, that were to rule for about 18 months before elections uh, would go ahead. Um, and one of the leaders of this coup, so military, Colonel Asimi Goita, he assumed the role as vice president. Uh, and I guess in the beginning, there appeared to be quite a lot of optimism, at least amongst the population. Um, and the international community um, kind of continued their activities uh, throughout the autumn. Um, but yeah, on this Monday... So the 24th um, of May, uh, the president and the prime minister of the transitional government in Mali was arrested by other officials and parts of the Malian armed forces. Um, and they were taken to uh, a military base in Kati, which is like a 15 minute drive from Bamako. Uh, and for me, this came a bit <laughs> out of the blue, um, but apparently there had been some signs and some kind of movements in the days um, before so that happened on Monday, and on Tuesday, the vice president, Colonel Asimi Goita, he confirmed that he had overthrown uh, the interim president and prime minister, and both the president and the prime minister resigned uh, their positions. Um, the military has still claimed that they will want to go on with the with the elections initially planned after 18 months of the transitional government, Um but it's a bit unclear exactly where we stand. I mean, the international community has condemned these events. So France, the UN, the US, the African Union and ECOWAS. Um, and President Macron in France, he uh, he called these events a coup within a coup. So it is being referred to as a coup uh, amongst many analysts as well. So it's basically the second coup within, well, in less than a year, to put it that way. Uh and I guess there was this time, I mean, it hasn't turned very violent yet, but civil society in Mali and in Bamako in particular, they've mainly opposed what has happened. Uh, I mean, the Association of Human Rights in Mali, they condemned the arrests very quickly. And I've seen reports of people of other civil society organizations questioning the purpose, like why is the military doing this? Um, so, I mean... It's a bit difficult to say what will happen now because I feel that we're still in the middle of these events. We're not exactly sure how it's going to unfold. Um, but I guess, yeah, that that is a summary of what's happened <laughs> in the last few days. 
Yeah, and as you said, it's really still unfolding, so this is going to be a pretty kind of just quick and dirty episode for us to, um, yeah, try to explain to the listeners a little bit more since um, it's not getting maybe so much mainstream coverage. And since you you are researching this area and and the G5 Sahel Joint Force. Um, So before we just get into a little bit more on your perspective and and maybe a bit on your research, uh, can you just take us back a little bit and explain perhaps why is it that there have been so many coups in Mali. I mean, of course, the the most notable one maybe would be the 2012 uh, coup, if I'm not mistaken, on the year, and that was also the the reason for why there are there is a UN um, uh, mission there now, or there are UN forces there now, which is the United Nations uh, multi-dimensional integrated stabilization mission in Mali. Um, very long name, but then, like you said, there was the coup last year and. And so maybe can you just give us a bit more detail uh, on kind of the situation in the country, not just in the last year, but um, the last 10 plus years? Yeah, so I mean, 2012 is a year that many people use when they kind of refer to the starting point, I guess, of what we see in Mali and the Sahel today. I mean, there, there were coups before 2012. And of course, a lot of the issues that we also see today predates 2012. Um, but at the same time, 2012 kind of signifies a, a turn of event, I guess, for, for the country. So, I mean, yeah, you had the military coup uh, in 2012. Um, but that was only one thing. On top of that, you also had a secessionist movement in the north, uh, north of Mali, Asavar, who wanted independence um, from the Malian state. And again, parallel to this, you had an influx of extremists and, and weapons coming in from Libya after the fall of Gaddafi in 2011. Uh, and I guess at this time, uh, both like rebel groups in Mali and more extremist groups, which were both Malian but also uh, from Libya and, and, and neighboring states, they formed some sort of alliances uh, and they started to gain strength and control of several big cities in especially northern Mali then. Um, but they also were moving. So they were moving f- further south um, in Mali and towards the capital, uh, Bamako. Uh, and I guess as a consequence of this movement towards the south, there was a lot of international efforts in trying to deal with this. So you had ECOWAS, uh, they were involved in mediation, like political mediation, but they also deployed a standby force in 2012. The standby force was taken over by the African Union quite quickly. Uh, and uh, the African Union force was then again taken over by the UN. So the UN force that we see today, MINUSMA. Uh, uh, and on top of that, France uh, got involved in early 2013. They deployed uh, five, like, well, today there are 5,000 troops. I, I think they deployed a bit less then. Um, Operation uh, Serval, which today is Barkhan, which was basically a counter-terrorism operation to push back the insurgencies that were moving further south towards Bamako. Um, and I guess at the time they managed to, I mean, they succeeded in stabilizing Bamako. And today, I guess they work, both Barkhan and the Malian armed forces work as a kind of buffer um, between Bamako and I guess the rest of Mali. Um, But even though they managed to push back the insurgencies at that point in time, they didn't neutralize these as a threat. Uh, So since then, these insurgencies 
I mean, the groups have been uh, growing in numbers, both insurgencies and rebels who operate in Mali, many with links to Al-Qaeda. In the past years, also groups with um, uh, links to the Islamic State. Uh, and there's a lot of movement in these groups. Um, so these threats or groups are often considered more regional or transnational than only Mali, but they do operate heavily in Mali. Um, but this is, again, of course, only one element of the complexity in Mali. So you also have transnational crime as a huge issue, trafficking of both humans and weapons. You have disputes between farmers and herders. You have conflicts along ethnic lines, uh, community lines. Um, and these also kind of flow into each other a little bit. Um and then, um, again, on top of this, you've had a long political process since the coup in 2012 with attempts to stabilize and strengthen the Malian authorities. You had the Algiers peace process or peace agreement signed in 2015 between the government and former rebel groups, uh, which has also had a difficult, difficult few years since it was uh, signed. Uh, and you have a political elite which from my impression, seems quite distant from the population in more general. So I guess, I mean, the coup in 2012 and 2020 then, to bring it back into current time, is kind of a res- uh, that was kind of a result of a frustration amongst the population and amongst the military. Uh, so the previous president, Ibrahim Boubacar Keita, Ibeka, he received a lot of criticism, I guess, especially for an election with the National Assembly in April 2020. But on top of that, there was also a lot of dissatisfaction with the leadership and corruption and and the fact that the security situation in Mali just continued to worsen. Um, so this led to mass mobilization last summer in Bamako. The military was also dissatisfied with salary uh, and again, frustration with the security situation not improving. Uh, so I guess, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot that has been going on. Uh, and I guess the events that we see nowadays is also, they should be seen in light of, of uh, what has happened in the last at least year and, and potentially also the last 10 years. As we mentioned, there is this MINUSMA, um, the United Nations mission there, and um, Norway has about 70 uh, soldiers who are a part of this. So what is, going off of the Norwegian perspective, since uh, we are in Norway, what is the Norwegian um, kind of international foreign affairs perspective on this? And, and how is Norway responding to this situation? Yeah, so, I mean, um, Norway con- contributes to the UN mission MINUSMA in, in, in several ways. Uh, they permanently have between 10 and 15, I think, staff officers in the intelligence and analysis unit at the MINUSMA headquarters in Bamako. Uh, and they also participate in a rotation scheme with, I think, five other European countries where they, six months at a time rotating, provides uh, transport airplanes. Um, so I guess Norway is then in Mali providing this every second or third year. Uh, and Norway is there now, or they've been there since December, so their term is now coming to an end. And when Norway is there providing planes, that's when Norway also bring personnel for this. So that's when Norway has yeah between 70 and 80 military personnel with them uh, when they are uh, in charge of the 
transport airplanes for those six months. Um, but Norway is also running the camp where the countries of this rotation scheme are based. Uh, and it's called Camp Bifrost, uh, and it's located near the airport uh, in Bamako. Um, and I guess, I mean, Sahel is, or seems to be an important area for Norway. Uh, in 2017, Norway established its uh, first embassy in Mali. Uh, and I mean, the Sahel region, it is... It is kind of a neighboring region to Europe. So obviously what happens in the Sahel, there is a fear that this will spill over to Europe. Um, but I think for Norway as well, it's just really important to be a good ally to other European countries. So the EU and France in particular, but also other European states more bilaterally or individually are very engaged in the Sahel and in Mali. And I think Norway also wants to contribute Um to that, I guess, a kind of burden sharing, but also being a good ally to these other European states. Um, and I mean, with regards to the events that have taken place now, I mean, Norway is, uh, alongside all these other uh, actors, um, condemned uh, the, the events that have taken place. Um, and I guess when it comes to what uh, what will happen next? I mean, I think Norway, because it is important to be a good ally and because the, the involvement in more multilateral organizations such as the UN and uh, with MINUSMA, um, I would assume that Norway will follow whatever these multilateral corporations um, choose to do in the, in the following days and weeks and months, I guess. So just to wrap up, uh, I'd like to talk a bit about your research and your PhD project for now, at least, is uh, titled Sub-Regional Forces in the Fight Against Violent Organizations, the G5 Sahel Joint Force in Mali. And I'm just wondering, do you have any reactions in terms of the work that you've already done? I know that you have done fieldwork several times already in Mali. Um, how are you feeling about the latest developments and does it have any change on your on the outlook of your research or do you feel that this really fits into the things that you've already studied i mean um yeah the title you read now is uh, has not been revised in in a, in a little while so my my focus is the g5 sahel joint force yes uh and and i'm researching the military uh, cooperation uh, that involves the G5 Sahel Joint Force, so with the French Operation Bakan and with uh, MINUSMA and uh, the EU uh, in particular. Um, and I mean, yes, I think uh, what has happened in, in Mali now, of course, Mali is one of the member states uh, of this G5 Sahel Force. Uh, so, I mean, what happens in the leadership there will uh, impact the G5 Sahel Joint Force. Um, but at the same time, I haven't necessarily seen too much happening since the last coup. Uh, and and it, I think it's difficult to say what will happen uh, from this as well, and or if it will impact the G5 um, in, in any way or in which way, I guess. Um, but I guess, like you men mentioned, in terms of fieldwork, I guess this is where I will or could potentially have have a bigger impact if the security situation in Mali and in Bamako now in particular were to to worsen uh, as a result of this. If if tensions um, occur and violence occur, I think that would be potentially the biggest impact it will have on my research if I wouldn't be able to 
uh, to go back to Bamako in the in the time that I'm planning to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maria, and hopefully we can uh, follow up again later on uh, once you've been able to do some more research and also uh, once this situation perhaps has has changed and developed. Um, but thanks a lot. Thanks for picking Prio's Peace in a Pod. This podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute Oslo, Prio, located in Norway. For more information, visit prio.org. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trick Haber. Music by Martin Lundemann.